Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, everybody. We have missed you so. And hi, Shannon. 2021. Whoa, happy new year, everybody. (laughs) Happy happy 2021, 2020 extension. Yeah, no kidding. Like, like we took a two-week break, and that two weeks feels like it's been two years. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I barely remember 2020, and it was bad. Uh (laughs) So uh, coming up in this episode, we're going to be talking about the uh, the coup attempt because that's a normal thing to talk that's about. That's a normal thing to say on an American podcast. Good lord! Yeah, totally. It's, it's like, actually more normal than we actually uh, acknowledge in our history right. to have coup attempts in America. Yeah, true. <laughs> but true. that's a whole other episode, probably. Yeah, and not for us, you yeah. know. Uh, and it's because they're usually soft coups. This was kind of more of a hard coup. This was a violent uprising. Yeah. A violent coup attempt. This was like a really classic coup. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is like what we describe in other countries as being, you know... Violent insurrectionist coups. That's yeah. what that's what we had. Like in I know, Turkey or Romania or something, you know, where they do coups. Uh-huh. Yeah. We do them here now. Hell yeah. Wow. So, so we're gonna talk about that. So first of all, we would like to wish everybody a belated happy insurrection day. <laughs> uh, <sighs> new American holiday. And it's nice to have a holiday right after New Year's because I feel it's gonna take some pressure off of New Year's. Uh, we need another greeting other than happy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Solemn Insurrection Day. Solemn Insurrection Day. <laughs> we need like a hand symbol, like in uh, Monty Python, uh, oh, Life of Brian. We watched Life of Brian last night, <laughs> Shannon's first time. And the uh, the People's Front of Judea, uh, they, had a hand they had a hand symbol, which is like a, a clenched fist. fist pressed to the right temple. It yeah. looks so dumb. It does. That could be like the Insurrection Day symbol. We I can bring can, that back. Can we not? <laughs> anyway, we're going to talk about this later, but in the meantime... Uh, what else do you have to say? The Misfit Stars community. This oh. Misfit Stars. What is Misfit Stars, Jamie? <laughs> well, you know what it is, people. <laughs> Man, you know you know things are weird when I forget to do the ad. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, uh, people, here's the deal: Misfit Stars. Uh, it's a way that you can help support Shannon and me uh, in our lives and in our work. So, perhaps you like our lives and our work. Perhaps you think that you would like to help us. Uh, continue them. A lot of what Shannon and I do in our lives is community supported. You probably know that at this mm-hmm. point. If you're a first time listener, hi, I'm wow, Jamie. Hi. Nice to meet you. Uh, Shannon and I do most of our things in a community supported kind of way. It's an unusual way to live one's life. What it means is that we think up things to do in the world uh, that we hope are good. Some of them are music. Some of them are more community oriented. And people uh, support us in a crowdsourced ongoing kind of way mm-hmm. via our Patreon community, Mm -hmm. which is also coincidentally called Misfit Stars. Yeah. Uh, And there's a couple hundred people in there, and they're amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have formed them into this wonderful community that lives online, currently on Facebook, although with how things are going with Facebook, we may need to be changing that, but one thing at a time. Uh, For now, our Misfit Stars community lives on Facebook, and it's just the best place on the internet. I spend some time there every day, and it's just this private group where people uh, feel emboldened to be vulnerable and authentic and raw and to help one another through things and discuss things in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. You know, without any of the usual BS that you see in regular Facebook or elsewhere on the internet where just like it's a free-for-all and someone's jumping down your throat all the time and there's randos who don't have your best interests in mind, it's not like that. It's just wonderful. If you would like to be 
more close with us and our closest people. If you want to self-select yourself into that group of people, you can do it. You just go to misfitstars.com slash join. We would absolutely love to have you. We just had a, a brand new person sign up yesterday and it yeah. was just the best thing. It's a musician who we actually really love and respect. Yeah. And she signed up to be part of our little community and that's just humbling. Totally. You know? But it's people like that in there. It's wonderful, really cool people who are trying to make the world a better place. Yeah, and you know, I, on the on the the group exists in Facebook right now. We've been talking about this uh, for a while, um, and 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 there are a lot of folks who are part of our Misfit Stars community who aren't on Facebook, mm-hmm. and that's been uh, you know kind of a bummer. You know, like I, but we're missing out on on ha- those people being part of the group interactions that we have most frequently. So we are exploring other options um, so that we can have you know people who are on Facebook, but also people who are not on Facebook, able to engage with each other. Yeah. Um, and so that'll, that'll be coming in the nearish future, I think. Uh, we're, we're in the midst of uh, figuring out what that's going to look like. But, um, you know, we're, we're constantly looking, the whole point is we're constantly looking for ways that we can improve how we all get to interact with each other, support yeah. each other, learn from each other, um, and, and find community with each other. Yeah. And so um, please, we'd love to have you join the group. It would be great to have you. Yeah, it's a neat group of people. Yeah. Uh, So there's that. Misfitstars.com slash join. Thanks, people. Mm -hmm. Do you have any announcements, Shannon? I do. So and it it goes to the the thing we were just talking about. Are you going to do the song or what? Oh, sorry. Announcements, announcements, announcements. Okay, there you go. so good. You got it. You got to get it in. So uh, we have our next monthly... Uh, Zoom meetup for our Misfit Stars members on Thursday this week. Remember uh, that thing we just told you you could be a part of? Yeah. You could be a part of this too. This is part of it. Yeah, this is the the, the kind of interaction we get to actually see each other's faces on uh, the computer screen. It's so good. And uh, we're doing it Thursday. What is the date on Thursday? It's uh, the 13th, it's, right? No, it's the 14th. The 14th, excuse me. Thursday, January 14th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. That's mm-hmm. 9.30 Eastern. Yep. Uh, these monthly... If you're in England, it's real late, but you know Gary's going to be there. <laughs> so true um you know we we are rotating through different we 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 gave a a survey to our group to find out when the best days and times to do these meetups are and we're sort of rotating through the top ones of those so that we can give more people an opportunity to join whose maybe schedule didn't work with the you know the last month's one yeah so this is the first time we've done a thursday um and i've already heard from a couple people who are like i actually might be able to come to this one so we're gonna have some new people there this week and i'm sure we're gonna have people who've been at our last couple of, of meetups but these are quickly becoming one of my favorite things about Misfit Stars is getting to actually see people, to hear from people in the group. I mean, every week we get on this podcast and Jimmy and I talk our tuck our mouths off mm-hmm. <laughs> on whatever topic. But what's fun to me about the Zoom meetups is that we get to hear other people talk about what they're going through in their lives, what they're processing. Um, and and we just get to kind of like just be part of it and not be the the drivers of the conversation. It's great. I love it. People want to talk about deep stuff. We are so there for it. Yeah. I love it. It's wonderful. So uh, if you're not yet a member and you want to become a member and and be part of of this week's meetup, you could do that if you join before Thursday. But uh, members, I have sent you the Zoom link uh, in Patreon and also in the Facebook group. I will send it again later this week so that you can know, uh, you can can figure out how to get there. Yeah. Meeting. Awesome. That's it for the announcements. Great job. Um, so, uh, Jamie. Yeah. How are you feeling? <laughs> you know, it's complicated. It's a loaded question. It's complicated. Uh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling conflicting things at the same time. Definitely. Uh, generally, I, you know, I, my overarching feeling is I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling uh-huh. pretty good. I'm actually like in a good mood and I'm cheerful. Yeah. 
Also, I have had a fluttering in my chest for like the last three days. It feels a lot like anxiety. Yeah. I'm not experiencing it mentally a whole lot. Right. But I'm experiencing it physically. Interesting. Which is really weird. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like I'm on the edge of like a heart attack for like three days. Yeah. But like, I mean, not in a bad way. I don't want to scare people by (laughs) saying that. Like I don't need to go to the hospital. It's not like that. It's just, you know, when your heart is for absolutely no good reason, you've been sitting, working on something at your computer for an hour, you should not have an elevated heart rate. Right. You know, your heart rate should be like around, you know, 70. That's where mine usually is, 70, 71. You know, I would guess the way it's feeling right now that it's probably in the 90s. That's weird. Yeah. No good reason for that. Like and that's just like what it's been lately. Your body is processing the ambient stress that you're feeling, even though you feel mentally in a good space. Yeah. I've and, got my arms really firmly yeah. around what I can and can't control in this situation. What I can't control is everything. What I <laughs> can control is basically nothing. And so that really frees me not to have to worry about it, mm-hmm. practically speaking. Mm-hmm. But yet, clearly I am. Sure. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. it's, it's impossible not to. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm yeah. I'm good, but with an asterisk. Where I'm noticing this is like in my work. Uh, like music has been such a bomb to work on this week. It's mm. been so wonderful. Mm-hmm. And also I crap out like two and a half to three hours quicker than I would on a normal day. Yeah. Typically I get going after dinner, you know, I'll, I'll get into work after dinner at like 7.30. I'll you know do other stuff in the afternoon, but music time usually 7.30 until 1.30, you know, a good mm-hmm. solid, you know, six, seven hour chunk there. Uh, and I have been crapping out. I've been feeling just fatigued and like I'm losing focus at like 10.30 to 11. Yeah. And it's yeah. and it's unusual for me. Yeah. And like that's how that's how I can tell how I'm feeling. Sure. Like clearly, like that plus like the physical stuff. Clearly, like I am processing things. Absolutely. Like, but all at like this subliminal level. Yep. Yep. Very very interesting. I would venture to say that probably a lot of people are having the experience you just described. Like yeah. just in their you know daily lives, productivity, things are getting done around the house. You know, like I. I but bet. how are we going to enrich corporations? <laughs> if we, I feel like not, I'm not fulfilling my primary duty as an American <laughs> slash homo sapien. Working as into your optimum uh, output potential? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I bet that a lot of people are feeling what you're feeling. I, I imagine that's a pretty common thing. And you know, if you are listeners feeling like Jamie is feeling... Like, remind yourself that you don't need to beat yourself up about that. Like, yeah. it is reasonable to crap out sooner than you normally do. It is reasonable to be feeling physical manifestations yeah. of the trauma that we're experiencing. This is, it's no joke. This is a, this is a big deal. Um, this to put is, it colloquially, this is some fucked up shit. Yeah, seriously. So, you know, give yourself lots of grace. Yeah. You too, Jamie. I think you, you. I think you are. I, I think am. You're, you're recognizing when you need to take a break and you, you're not beating yourself up for for, you know, not being as productive as you normally like to yeah. be. But um, I think you're doing a good job with that and good for you for recognizing it. Thanks. Yeah. You know, it's it's easy, I think, it's easier anyway, I think, to feel okay about diminished productivity if it is some faceless corporation that you're enriching. You know, when it's yourself that is the beneficiary. <laughs> of your, well, you and I are in the relatively unique position yeah. of having ourselves be the people who benefit when we do sure. more work. So it makes it a little bit more muddled. It's not quite as clear, you yeah. know, because every moment I'm crapping out, not able to work, that's my ball. I'm not advancing down the field, yeah. Yeah. which again is fine. Like Your purpose though is not to advance your ball down the field. Your yeah. purpose in life. But when it's stuff inside me that I want to express, yeah. when it's ideas and thoughts, I'm currently like 
shepherding this really, really awesome music project that y'all are going to be uh, made, the listeners, you all are going to be made privy to this probably in the next week. Yeah. And it's so exciting. It's really, really cool. I can't tell you more about it. I want it to be a bit of a surprise. (laughs) Awesome. But it's really, really great. Yeah. And you all are going to love it. And I just want to efficiently get it out there so then I can move on to the other very exciting music projects. Yeah. Like, I love what I do. I get yeah. to make records. That's the best. Yeah. And so to feel like I'm making records more slowly than I would like to, it's a little annoying. I totally get you. And I, you know, not to like, are, are, did you have any more that you wanted to share? Or can mm. I segue to how I'm feeling? Sure. Yeah. How, how are you feeling, Shannon? <laughs> Thank you. Because I, I, I relate to that. Like, and I think for me, where that's popping up in my creative life is that I, I have... You know, we we took a rest over the holidays, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But like, I, I I really needed the rest time, and I really did find myself as we were coming out of the rest time feeling that that familiar sort of like burning little you know, sort of vibrations inside me that I was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into my studio and writing some new stuff. Like that that yeah. feeling of that that, that budding of something new, you know, specifically it's this, uh, this album about 2020 that I'm going to be embarking on. Um, we've, I've started collecting stories. I've got a lot of stories from people who have shared their experience from 2020. I'm looking forward to doing follow-up conversations with a bunch of those people to get, you know, more details from them, but I'm going to essentially write a full album of songs based on people's experiences from 2020. Um, not like, a song per person, I would, I would be writing way too many songs, but like looking for the themes that people have shared in common over the, you know, that time and, and pulling to those together, writing songs about experiences that sort of end up being sort of an, an amalgamation of lots of people's experience. But, yeah. you know, anyway. Like when you do research for like fiction that's based in history. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I'm like so- Like that thing you see at the end of movies that says- characters in this film are fictional and not intended to represent actual characters or places. Exactly. It's like that. Exactly. And I'm so excited also, for this. Also, no animals are going to be harmed in the making of this album. No, they're definitely That's the other movie not. disclaimer I think applies here. It does, yeah. But I'm really, really excited about this. Like, I feel that still inside me, like that desire to create and to get into it. And at the same time, I have had this experience over the last week, specifically since, um, since the coup attempt, God, it's weird to say those words. Since Insurrection Day. <laughs> Since then, I have felt also uh, this this experience that I'm. I, let me let me let me back up a little bit. When I write, when and I imagine lots of creative people who who create stuff from whole cloth can relate to this. Like when you have to get to a place. I feel like I have to get to a place when I'm creating something like that. That is really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That is an, a place, a space that is open-hearted and soft, and um, and and open to the ideas that you know that will come and become part of the work. And, and for, I have found for all you creators out there, this thing that Shannon's describing, this place that she's describing, like if you're not getting there before you're doing your writing, you're probably not writing your best stuff. Maybe not. I'll throw that out. Yeah, there. but that's the place that I need to get to when I'm doing anything, any creative work. And it's I have found myself feeling sort of just raw emotionally from the events in the world in such a way that makes it feel a little. It makes it feel hard and a little scary. Like you're being self-protective to get to that open-hearted place. Yeah. Like I, I, I've been having to sort of walk around with a bit of a shield to, to protect myself from the, the utter lunacy of what's been going on, Yeah, you know, that like, I'm finding myself a little bit, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working through it. I'm not, it's not like a, it's not like a brick wall. 
you know, like, I, I, and I'm going to get through it. And honestly, I think that once January 20th is over, there's going to be lots of reasons why that daily trauma isn't going to be quite as uh, pervasive. You don't have to look over your shoulder as hard. Yeah, you for know. Sure. So I know that it's, I know that, that that's coming and I know, and I'm also working through it, but I feel like it's, it's hard. It's, it's been hard for me to get to that open hearted place that I feel like I need to be in order yeah. to actually create. And aside from that, like you said, I, I generally feel okay. Like I generally feel cheerful, um, just in my personal life and, mm-hmm. you know, really, like you said, also sorting through things I can't control and things I do have the power to influence and, and figuring out how to, allocate my energy accordingly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and in addition to all that, I'm pissed. Yeah. Like there's also that, how, yeah. how I'm feeling. Yeah. I am. I'm glad you mentioned so that. So angry. I forgot to mention that in mine, but that's also a defining feature of like my life this last week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am, I'm furious about this. I am furious about what happened last Wednesday. And I am furious about the people who incited it. I am furious about the people who enabled the, the lies and the subversion of our democracy for years to get to this place. Yeah. I am so fucking mad. Wow. Just needed to say that. Yeah. And by the way, if you just listen to that last part in headphones that have any bass to them, you heard, as I did, a low thumping <laughs> accentuating what Shannon was saying. That was her punching her own knees <laughs> so hard that surely she has left bruises. <laughs> Maybe I did. She's legitimately angry. I am so mad. Yeah. Um, this should never happen. This should never happen. I think we need to put that in the past perfect. This should never have happened. Thank you. Because it did happen. Yeah, it did. God. So that's how I'm feeling. It's a lot of things all at one time. Yeah. I feel like I'm juggling emotions. Yeah. They're all very present and they're all very valid. Yeah. Um, but that's where I'm at. I think that perhaps because there's anger in the mix, that might explain the clarity that I feel like I'm experiencing. Really? Anger for me feels like a clarifying emotion. Interesting. Yeah. Whereas uh-huh. sadness can be more confusing. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. Well, I'm glad we're talking about this because clearly yeah. we, need, <laughs> we need to be talking about this. Yeah, seriously. But, you know, um, uh, and we're going to get into more details about sort of unpacking our thoughts about the coup attempt um, a little bit later in this episode. But uh, in the meantime, what, what what have we done in the two years since our previous podcast episode, Jamie? Yeah, right? <laughs> Do you guys remember... <laughs> Like a decade ago when we did our last podcast episode. In, Since then. In mid-December. In mid-December. Uh, I was a different person then. What I've done, I've changed. <laughs> no, you know, uh, we actually took some time off, which was really good. Uh, yeah. We managed to get, you managed to get more time off than I did. And that's, that's par for the course, but you know, I'll accept it. It's fine. <laughs> the time that I did get off was lovely. Uh, I had intended to take more uh, than I did. Uh, but the time that we spent off was lovely. Yeah. Uh, we just, we took walks and we just woke up and drifted through our days for about a week. And oh that gosh, was yeah. really nice. Like, want to do a crossword? Okay. Yeah. Let's go for a hike in the woods today. All right. Yeah. You know, it was wonderful. It was great. We watched a ton of movies, mm-hmm. ate way too much ice cream and yep. the cookies that we made for the holidays. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Um but yeah, we actually had to throw away some of the pan of Rice Krispie treats that Shannon made for me, and I feel really like <laughs> my inner fifteen-year-old is just like embarrassed, mortified, really about that. Well, 
inner 15-year-old Jamie, I can make you more. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, see, we need them to come in smaller pans, the problem. The nine by nine is in- intimidating. They're like four inches deep. So that's like what? Yeah. Like that's that's like 330 cubic inches of Rice Krispie Treat. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a I lot. I think maybe something more in the 100 cubic inches area okay, would be good. we'll have the recipe Like a little time. baby loaf pan or something? Right, we can do that. That'll sure. be nice, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I did something that I... I like have done sort of semi-intentionally in the past, but really intentionally over the holidays this time, I allowed myself to completely ignore my inboxes, my Facebook messenger and my email inboxes, like just didn't look at them. That's amazing. And, you know, so I shouldn't say I didn't look at them. I scanned them for anything that would like, on the surface, like in the little preview, look like something super important for me to look at. But I didn't, I didn't read messages or respond to them uh, at all for, for a couple of weeks. And it felt really good. I felt like I just gave myself like a, it was like a vacation. (laughs) You know, I really needed that. And so uh, the, the downside is I'm digging out now. Um, the, the plus side of the digging out is that now I'm, I'm actually, uh, going through everybody's stories that they submitted to me via Mm. email for the 2020 album over the last couple of weeks. And it's been really rewarding to start looking through some of those. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was, but it was a great. It was a great thing. It was a great way for me to really unplug, is just to just to go a wall from my inboxes. That's great. Yeah, yeah, good for you on that. Thanks. Um, got- I, I need to figure out a better way to do that. It's hard for me because, like, especially like, well, because two things in my email, I have people I'm mentoring, mm-hmm. and I can't responsibly like let people who are super excited about the music that they're making, that I am guiding them through making, Mm -hmm. just not get a response from me for an indeterminate amount of time, especially during a holiday period. I think that I I take for granted that you and I just get to do music full-time all the time for a lot of people. Uh, and the I holidays remember, are when they get to do it. That's when they get to pre- like yeah. play rock star, right? Yeah, to, yeah. Pretend, to live for a minute in that world where the only responsibility sure. they have is making their art. Yeah. Like oftentimes that time between like December you know, 22nd and January 2nd is the only time they can mm-hmm. do that, you know? Yeah. And I really wanted to honor that. So I was on a little bit for that. Yeah. And then the other thing is that like I put my, I've put myself out there for so long as a person who people can reach out to, you know, about like sobriety issues. Right. Or, and that's expanded to just general mental wellness issues right. and stuff mm-hmm. like that and people do and like you know I can't just blow that stuff off I get it it's hard I get it it's especially hard in the holidays for those both for both of those reasons you know stuff comes up you know I but I I imagine also like for the people that that reach out to you for personal stuff and also people who you're mentoring if there were a time maybe a non-holiday time where you were like, I'm going to take a week and not look at this. If you let them know that in advance, they, oh, would, sure. they would totally be supportive of that. <laughs> and I've let everybody, and I always do, uh, know in advance that, you know, it. I probably won't ever respond on the same day. Sometimes I may. Uh-huh. But generally speaking, you can expect me to respond to things in, you know, two to four days. Right. And so if it bleeds to seven, okay, whatever. People understand. People are understanding. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it's a balance that you seem to have found better. Like, you're just more willing to blow your stuff off than I am. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally am. Uh, but I, I recognize it's from a place of needing it, you know, and that's that's what I need. And I'm no good to anybody if I'm not meeting my most, my most basic needs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, we got pulled out of that time off. Uh, uh, we were intending to take a few more days off. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, one of our, our, our fearless leader from the Wisconsin election uh, work that we did back in October and November 
uh, texted us and was like, hey, so I'm doing some voter protection stuff for Georgia. I could use your help. And we're like, okay. Yeah. And it was stuff that we, you know, we were particularly skilled at doing because it was the same kind of work that we had been doing in Wisconsin. Yeah. So like we've already sort of gotten our minds around what needs to happen and what, you know, like it was, we were, she essentially trained us back then to yeah. do the work that she needed help with now. And so it's- There it, was there was no ramp up. We were right there. Yeah. And it didn't feel like we need, we could really pass the buck to anybody else. It's not like, you know, getting a new volunteer up to speed on this kind of stuff would be useful or helpful. So yeah. like, it, this, I was this happy is, to just This is in. a skilled thing yeah. that we have been trained on how to do and it's kind of advanced and like, you can't just pull a random volunteer. Right. So she asked us if we could help and we're like, sure, let's help. And so we got, you know, up to speed on what they were doing and specifically they were going to need some help on- on election day, uh, it, doing the work of making sure that all of the people who had been trained for and signed up to be poll observers, poll watchers, they call them in Georgia, mm-hmm. um, uh, would, were, were actually there, that they had actually shown up yeah. and do to, to be the eyes and ears on the ground to make sure that the election was going freely and fairly for everybody. Yeah. Um, and so... The, the election day work is what we were doing. And if need be, we were going to be shuffling people around and rescheduling them so that all the all the bases were covered. Yeah, right? and this is dynamic also. Yeah. We realized, though, that in, in the ramp up to this, that really the majority of that work was going to be, was going to need to happen starting at like uh, five or six in the morning Eastern time on election day. 5.45 a.m. Yeah. Eastern. And so we're like, you know, uh, we're going to have to pull an all-nighter. So yeah. We stayed up. Uh, we, we actually, election day started in what felt like Monday night to us. Yeah. <laughs> Staying up this epically long night to do this work. We actually did get to go to bed and get like six hours of sleep. Yeah, you know, no big deal. In the middle of, of that. Um, so we worked from like... So we just stayed up. And the way, by the pe- people, by the way, if you need to do this in your own life, we've done this a lot because we're musicians and sometimes music schedule is just weird, especially when you're on tour and you just need, like you have a, a show late at night and then like a morning TV hit that's really right. or something and you just, it's better not to go to sleep. Right. And so like the way to do it is like, at one in the morning or whenever, like you, you do all the stuff you'd normally do to close out the one day and start the next. So we like had a big meal yeah, and then we took a shower and like brushed our teeth and like did our hair and got <laughs> dressed in a different set of clothes yeah. and then made some strong coffee and got to work at 2.45 a.m. Yeah. The only thing we didn't do was sleep, but everything else felt normal and, and sort of separating it like that really helps. It did. Not wearing the same clothes to start the next weird work day as yes. you were wearing on the previous work day, psychologically it makes uh-huh. a big difference. Yeah. The, the hair still being wet with the styling product and it helps, you know, <laughs> yeah, totally. you feel clean, fresh, it's good. <laughs> so we did that. We got working at 2.45 a.m. our time. We worked until about uh, like nine in the morning east, so six in the morning our time. Uh-huh. And then we got in bed and slept until about uh, 10, 10.30 our time. So it was more right. like four, four and a half hours. Oh, is that all it was? Yeah. Okay. Because we had wanted to be up uh, in time for, uh, for shift change. Right, 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 yeah, right. On right, the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Because the shifts were like, you know, seven in the morning until two and then two to eight. Uh, with the understanding that eight could go late if there were lines, which there were. Yeah. Because a lot of people wanted to vote. Uh, and so we got up for the shift change. We did some of the shift change stuff. There wasn't much there. But then we did all the like end of shift stuff, which was actually like a huge flurry of activity because... The end of shift is when, like, you know, polls close at 7 p.m. on the east, you know, in Georgia. But if there's anyone in line by 6.59, they get to stay there. And if there's a long line, well, we need more poll watchers to make sure they're not being intimidated, harassed, disenfranchised. Right. The thing is, though, um, and kudos to the people who were organizing in Georgia all along, um, 
and, and getting people to do early voting yeah. to, to relieve the pressure on election day, there were not there were not very many lines. It was like, great. There were not very many lines. It went so smoothly. Our program, we were able to reshift and cover every station that we needed shifted. There were no uh, empty stations in our region, which was amazing. Um, and it, it like it was it was the, I, I cannot I cannot sing the praises of that group. Highly enough, like yeah. they did such a great job organizing, yeah. and clearly the get out the vote effort and the signing up new voter registrations and all that kind of stuff really worked. Because holy cow, when we watched the returns come in that night, I was shocked. What a pleasant I was surprise! Pleasantly shocked that we took both of those Senate seats. I honestly didn't have a lot of like uh, optimism for that happening. I was hopeful but not optimistic. If that makes sense, yeah. You know, like yeah. I really wanted it to happen, and I, you know, sure there's a chance. Sure. So you're telling me there's a chance, <laughs> you know, like I, but I, I was not, I was not banking on it. You know, I was not allowing my emotions to, to feel like, well, yeah, this is probably going to happen. And then. But I kind of thought it'd be one, one. Yeah. I thought that Leffler would lose and Purdue would win. Interesting. Just because he's been there so long and he's entrenched, mm. you know, a lot more, uh, but, oh my gosh, yeah, it was great. What an and it was feeling. so decisive that, like, it wasn't one of these things like the presidential where we didn't even know for five days afterwards. Right. We knew when we went to bed, and granted, we went to bed late, but yeah. we knew by the time we went to bed that it was pretty much in the bag. Right. Which it was, was remarkable. Awesome. I can't, the feeling going to bed that night, I just, I think I went to bed smiling. I think I went to sleep smiling. Yeah. Like, wow, we actually have a shot at getting some meaningful relief for people because of coronavirus. We actually have a shot of getting... Funding to local and state governments to administer the vaccine. We're going and to have a whole of government approach to administering the vaccine. Holy moly. Holy crap. We're actually, we actually have a shot at passing voting reform. Yeah. Democracy reforms. Oh my gosh. That, yeah. that could prevent the kind of uh, polarization that has pulled us into this horrible mess that we're in right now. Yeah. You know, like we have a chance at actually... Addressing healthcare in a meaningful way. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! Climate change. We're going to be back in the Paris Accord probably wow. about twelve o two p.m. on January twentieth. Yeah, that would have happened with the Biden presidency anyway. Yeah. But like, yes, but with with the addition of, of, of now Democrats mm -hmm. controlling the the Senate and controlling both houses of Congress, yeah. there's we a can shot. bring anything up we want for votes on like legislation. Like yes. Mitch McConnell has just killed things. He calls himself the Grim Reaper because he just lets bills die on his desk without bringing them for a vote. Right. Anything we want to come to a vote for, we'll come to a, a vote now. It's amazing. Holy cow. Which is two things. One, it means that like actual good things that we want to do mm -hmm. like can have a chance at being voted into law, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. great. The other thing is that stuff that is good for the country but Republicans don't want to do they now have to go on record as voting against. It just doesn't get quietly killed exactly. by their majority leader. They have to actually say no. Yeah. And that goes on their record. Yeah. No, I don't want my constituents to have free health care. Yes, exactly. That's a good thing to have their name attached to. Exactly. So, I mean, honestly, I, th there's still so much work to do. There's, there's still going to be a lot of pressure that we're, we're going to need to put on our elected officials to move forward the things that are important to us. We still need to be engaged. This is not anything like a silver bullet. Yeah. But wow, the possibility just opened up. Like, it's incredible. It was such a good feeling to realize that we won those seats and that these possibilities are open for us now. Like, wow.
Yeah. What, a, what an awesome, awesome thing. What a great feeling to go to bed feeling that way. Yeah. And you're right about that. Like we went to bed feeling light of heart in a way that I personally probably haven't felt in four years. Yeah. And then. And then. And that, so that lasted the cool. That lasted a full 12 hours, which was really good. Uh, really enjoyed that. So you and I were actually up earlier than usual because uh, everyone knows we have a late schedule. Uh, but my cousin was defending for a... Uh, PhD yeah. uh, dissertation. He was defending his thesis. So we got out to watch it. Yeah, which was amazing because it was watching somebody who I know intimately speak in a language that's English yeah. that I don't understand <laughs> at all. He was like, he had these slides up. It was like a PowerPoint sort of. He's a physics. He's a physics yeah. PhD. Yeah. 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 And, and oh my gosh, there were the equations that had like a thousand symbols in them. Yeah. And he was just talking about like, so this means this and it's, this means this. And it's, it was a foreign language. It was really remarkable. But while we were watching that was when the capital coup attempt began. And so we started paying attention. So we sort of saw it happening in real time. We got a text from my sister actually like, hey, are you guys seeing what's going on at the Capitol? Right, right. Uh, should we push pause and segue into talking about yeah, the coup? Let's, let's take a okay. quick break. We'll come back. We've got just, there's so much that we could talk about. But we've outlined a couple of things we want to hit uh, about this um, as that we've been processing this last week and processing still on an, in an ongoing kind of way. Yeah. Uh, but we will come back after the break and we will tackle those things and we will see you then. See you in a sec. When we last left our heroes, uh, you and I were sitting at our kitchen table and we were watching uh, my amazing cousin defend his PhD thesis. And we got a text from my sister saying, hey, are you seeing what's happening at the Capitol? And I initially kind of blew it off, you know, because she yeah, was like, because I was like, of course there's going to be yahoos being idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made a couple of inst like just dumb jokes about it. And she's like, no, it's actually really terrifying and serious. You should really like check it out. And, uh, and it turns out there was actually a coup attempt going on. <laughs> right. An actual coup attempt going on. Right. Do you want to just give like a brief, I'm sure that everyone listening here has seen the news and knows, but let's just like start from a baseline of briefly what happened. So briefly what happened, uh, in the morning around noon at the White House, uh, President Trump had a sort of, uh, you know, vote certification day rally in which he and a few other people uh, got on stage and whipped the crowd up into a frenzy about stolen election, election fraud, radical left Democrats trying to steal the country from you, and you should go to the Capitol and fight. Yeah. Right. And so uh, <laughs> these people went to the Capitol and fought. You yeah. Know? Uh, and I think two things happened at the same time, which are now sort of being disentangled. And they happened concurrently and together and enmeshed with one another. Uh -huh. There were a bunch of looky-loos. There were just a bunch of people who had come there in sort of touristy way to hear the president speak. And then, yeah, we're going to march to the Capitol. It was, like, it was like a plan. There were also a bunch of violent right-wing ext extremists who had come with a much more sinister and very carefully planned out an advance plan yep. to uh, storm the Capitol. To storm the Capitol and hopefully uh, take lawmakers as hostages, perhaps kill some of them. Uh, they came with uh, pretty sophisticated 
homemade incendiary devices, weapons. bombs, weapons of all descriptions, uh, high-capacity magazines, uh, semi-automatic rifles, yeah. automatic rifles, yeah. uh, machetes. <laughs> the fuck yeah. you need a machete for in the capital? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And also had, you know, descriptions of how they were targeting specific lawmakers. Uh, yeah. Nancy Pelosi was on the list and also uh, Vice President Mike Pence because he didn't do the thing that the president wanted him to do, which he doesn't have the power to do. <laughs> which, to be clear, was overturn the results of a free and fair democratic election in our country. Right. And by so doing, disenfranchise uh, millions and million, dozens of millions of American citizens of their vote. Yeah. We're not talking about, like, voter suppression light, like we see happening all over the place still to this day, particularly in the South, where it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, 5,000 black people couldn't vote. That's just cost of doing business, <laughs> right? This is like, we're going to take every single vote that was cast by a Democrat and throw it away. Right. And replace it with our idea of what or, should happen. Or cast here. for the Democrat in this race. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, so that that's basically what happened. And and they they, you know... But lawmakers had to go into safe rooms and be evacuated, and the law enforcement was woefully unprepared. Uh, perhaps intentionally. Perhaps intentionally. That, like, that's still unfolding right it is. now. But, it, yeah. you know, it, this was not an intelligence failure, and, like, that's really important to be clear about. It was the intelligence an- was widely known ahead of time. It was a failure to act on the intelligence. Yes, exactly. Um, so, you know, the, that all that stuff is still coming out. That's the basic gist of what happened. Um And I think, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot in the last week since it happened was, is, you know, who, who bears responsibility for this? You know, like, I I think that in the immediate sense, the folks that actually broke into the Capitol with their weapons and their bombs and their intention to... Or just with their stupid Trump flags and whatever, you know what I mean? Like all the clownish people who you saw kind of walking between the velvet lines like it was some bizarro tour of the Capitol. Yeah. You know? Like a DIY like theme park thing, you know? (laughs) Right. Like they're they're all responsible and culpable in that. So we're doing concentric circles, by the way, people. That's how Shannon framed this to me as we were sort of writing out the script for today. She's like, let's talk about it in widening circles of responsibility, right? Yeah, yeah. And so like the people most immediately responsible, of course, are the people who were there inside the Capitol who did this yeah so that's circle one you know i i know i brought up the concentric circles thing but mm-hmm. as we were talking about it i thought of a better metaphor oh yeah okay let's talk about it like a pyramid a pyramid <laughs> okay and at the very top of the pyramid let's this start with good, the people we watch national treasure so pyramids are on my mind <laughs> so let's let's at the top of the pyramid let's look at the immediate action yeah. of the violent insurrection itself and the, the the people who actually broke it let's talk let's at the very top and then all the things down are like foundations supporting exactly. the things above exactly like where you're going with okay. this it's like a really messed up maslow's hierarchy of needs it really is. It's like a hierarchy of treason. It's a yeah. It's a hierarchy of treason for sure. I like that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't like that. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's the that's the top, the pinnacle. Okay. But but directly beneath that uh, are the people who who in the immediate uh, run up to that storming of the Capitol incited it, and that includes the president. And all the people who spoke at that rally. President Rudy Giuliani, uh, Alabama uh, Senator Mo Brooks, I think Don Jr. spoke. Uh, there were a bunch there were of others. There people were, inciting yeah. sedition. Yeah. I mean, they, they bear direct responsibility for, yeah. for telling those folks to go down the Capitol Mall and, and 
storm the Capitol. <laughs> yeah. And again, to be super, super clear, and I know you know this and I know this and everyone listening knows this, but just to say it again, because it's easy to get numb to this kind of stuff because just everything's been so messed up for the last four years. The president of the United States, the God. sitting president of the United States, incited a violent mob to storm the Capitol with the intent of causing grievous bodily harm to lawmakers. Yes, and, and also separating out the violent bodily harm part to also thwart the responsibility, the, the constitutional responsibilities of the Congress. Yeah. Like, it's an action against democracy itself. There's the violent action against the people there. Which is insurrection. But there's also the, the, the violent action against democracy itself. And that's itself. sedition. Yeah. Okay. That, that's that's a, that's a good way to divide those out. I like that. But yeah, I mean, like this is the 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 executive branch of the government, the leader of the executive branch, the president, trying to essentially take over and take away the power of the congressional branch of government. These are equal branches. Like yeah. it's it's astounding to have to actually say that that yeah. that's what's happened. But yes, the, the 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 next layer down from the pinnacle are those people that spoke at that rally. But just below that are all the all the Republican lawmakers that were in those safe rooms yeah. being evacuated, yeah. who had promised to uh, pervert their constitutional duty. All they were, all that they had the power to do that day was just to count the votes. Yeah, certify That's them. It. That's it. There's no, there's no other power that they had. There's no, you know. But they, they, they perverted that that uh, essentially like ministerial duty. Yeah. Uh, to say, well, based on these total lies of election fraud, blah, 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 uh, we're going to not certify. We're going to vote to not certify the, those. We're not going to, we're going to vote to not certify that count. Yeah. And overturn a free and fair election. Like, that's huge. I mean, like, the, yeah. they, they themselves were, like, if you, if you go back to your, your uh, delineation of insurrection being sort of like the violent attack on the people in the building itself mm -hmm. and sedition being the violent attack on, on or the, the, yeah, the, the attack constitutional on, on, processes. Yeah. Yeah. Those lawmakers were committing sedition. Yes. There's no doubt about that. And it's a squishy gray area because there is room in that process, right? There is room as delineated by law in the act that define that process for objections. But they were perverting the the point of that, and they were doing it in a very purposeful way. Well, and also their objections were based on lies. Yeah. It's not, it's not as if they were bringing objections based on anything that exists in reality. Yeah. It was made up BS that the president started spouting well before the election even took place yeah. and spouted over the last number of months. So let's go to the next layer down of responsibility is every Republican lawmaker who has enabled or repeated or said those lies for the last couple of months that there was election fraud. Yeah. It's not true. Yeah. It is, you know, they're, they're, Ted Cruz. Oh, I hate him. Yeah, I was going to actually men mention both him and he, Josh Hawley. Yeah, we should. Those, these people and this are, is going back up one layer because these are like the Republican lawmakers who voted against, who led the charge yes. against certification. Yes. Both Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley uh, have degrees in constitutional law from Ivy League institutions. Translation, they know better. They, they know, know better. that they were telling lies. Yeah. They know. They know. And it's what's completely cynical. Yeah, it's just because they think they can gain personal power mm -hmm. by misleading their constituents. Right. 
And my point in, in, in Ted Cruz, what did uh, uh, trying to trying to like reel back where I was, why I was bringing him up. I'm sorry to have derailed oh, you there. Oh, it's okay. Um, but you were on. We were down one layer now to uh, Republican lawmakers who have amplified lies about election oh, fraud. Oh yes, yeah. He, he, one of his arguments were for the reason that we needed to, to debate the fairness of this election. We need to establish a commission to to look over the re- voting results, which, by the way, has been had been done already in all, in of all the, states, the states multiple yeah. times, hand counted ballots multiple times. It's all fair. It's all free. Yeah. It's all legit. Yeah. But and most of these were Republicans doing the certification in the individual states. By the way, exactly. Yeah. Georgia, Secretary of State is a Republican, you know, yes. and many others. So Ted Cruz, his, his argument for why they needed another commission to, you know, investigate the fraud was because so many Americans believed that there was fraud and we need to alleviate their fears about that. The only reason that those Americans believed that is because of the lies that Ted Cruz and the rest of the Republicans have been repeating for months. Yeah, the, it's it, like a circular argument. It is. <laughs> It's like, let's build popular support for this lie that I'm telling and then use people's belief of the lie that I have told to reinforce the idea that we should be overturning. I mean, oh my God. It's wild. It is absolutely wild. It's breathtakingly cynical is what it is. Oh my God, totally. Yeah. It really is. So yes, you're right. We're we're now at the layer of people who have been enabling these lies, telling these lies, drumming up, you know, uh, people's belief in these lies about election fraud for months. But then we go down one more layer and we go to the the enabling of this president's lies for the last four years. Yeah, the Republican absolutely. Party has enabled this president to tell lie after lie after lie after. I mean, like sometimes dozens of lies a day in the public sphere. Yeah, <laughs> these have been recorded. Yeah. you know, with oh, yeah, they, these have been tracked on it's issues really wild. on issues not just about the elections that he's been involved in, but lies about the coronavirus, lies about. Foreign governments, lies about, you name it, he lies about it. He can't not lie, yeah. you know? And, and we all see this. We all know this. And, and the thing is, is that the Republican lawmakers who've been enabling these lies and covering for these lies and, 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 and not calling him out on these lies, they mostly know it too. Oh, yeah. But they have been, like Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, cynically using those the, the popular support drum up, drummed up over those lies to increase their own political power. Yeah. It is just appalling. Yeah. It is absolutely appalling. So the, just the enabling of this president for the last four years by the Republican Party is, is directly responsible. Those people are directly responsible in this like foundational support of what happened last Wednesday. Yep. You know, let's, I mean, we could go, we could go back even further. Honestly, we could go back to before Trump was even president. And do you remember when he was uh, the leader of the birther conspiracy that Obama wasn't born in the United States? He was born in Kenya. He's a Muslim. Donald Trump was behind that. He was the, the, like the the, instigator of that, the instigator of that. And the Republicans who knew better then they knew better. Mm -hmm. They went along with it. They let him kind of gain popularity around that idea because they saw in it an opportunity to completely just capture the minds of the people who wanted to believe that conspiracy to, in order to in order to build their own political power. Yeah. That is it. That's what it's, it's always been about. And you know, we have to, I think, in the same breath here, also mention uh, the the right wing media ecosystem, oh, the, God. the propaganda ecosystem. Absolutely, it's been complicit in every single level that you have yes. uh, that you've talked about all the way down from the very top of the pyramid down to yep. where we're currently at in this yep. little sort of hierarchy of sedition. Yeah, the pyramid of sedition. The pyramid of sedition. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a pyramid scheme of sedition. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. The the, the right wing media uh, is they they absolutely are complicit in all of this. And you know, uh, we have to include in this also the people who voted and supported. It's not just the people who were in politics. No, there were pl- there are millions of Americans, people even that we love, who people who whom to whom we are related. <laughs> Yeah, and people whom we love. Yeah. You know, uh, that have just gone along with this. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I still struggle with to what degree did they choose it and to what degree were they sucked in yeah. unwillingly. Um, I will note that I have not been sucked into a cult. <laughs> yeah. You know? Totally. And lots of people have not. Yeah. It's, it is, po- it's, it's, it's possible not to be. Yeah. I suppose, you know, and I think that the discussions of how people get sucked into, into cults, it's beyond the scope of today's discussion yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a serious, serious issue. Uh, yeah. And we're seeing this manifested, you know, most alarmingly right now with QAnon. There's a whole... There's a whole bunch of people right now who are being sucked into QAnon who, like, they may never get out of that. That is a conspiracy theory world. It's not just a single conspiracy theory. It's like a grand unified conspiracy theory that satisfies a whole bunch of elemental needs in a disconnected population It's of kind people. of like a religion. Yes, very much so. It's become that. Um, yeah, and, and, we, and, this, that, and perhaps that's a conversation for another day. It yeah. does definitely... Apply yeah. <laughs> to, to last week's events. And, and, you know, I feel so much sympathy for the people who f- fall under sway of cults like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel an enormous amount of sympathy, even empathy. I have been in a lonely place in my life mm-hmm. where I could imagine, like, the idea of a built-in community of people who trust you and support you and encourage you would feel very welcoming. Yeah. You know, uh, that... However, I'll say in the same breath that that also does not absolve people, you know, from making from making poor decisions. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember having conversations with with people that we know and love intimately, uh, you know, after the 2016 election, where they, you know, they were willing to, they could see that Donald Trump is not a man of character. Yeah. They, they were able to admit that yeah. at that point still. Um, but they voted for Israel or they, or voted, they voted for conservative for, judges. They voted for policy, yeah. yeah. And and let it just be known that that was a choice. It was a choice to say the character of the person who will hold the highest office in our country and be the de facto leader of the free world, that the character of that person doesn't matter as much to me as getting these policy uh, things accomplished that that I that are important to me. Yeah, that's a choice. That was a choice. There was a deeply uh, immoral choice. A deeply immoral and cynical choice that every voter who thought that way and yeah. put their name next to Donald Trump made. And, and they bear responsibility for that. And what's shocking to me, though, and maybe you were about to go here, is like so many of those people with whom we had those conversations in 2016, flash forward to 2020, four years later. Yeah, and. Like I can think of people, and I know you can too, who now are like, no, he's great. Yeah, I don't have any problem with his character at all. He's he's good. I because, I really like him actually. Right. The 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 power of like of um <laughs> the desire to not have to admit that you were wrong. Sure. <laughs> is a pretty strong force, and I think allows people to continue with the lie. 
yeah. in deep, and they have to get deeper into the lie yeah. in order to justify uh, what they, the enormous shame they may feel for the very wrong choice they made. We talk a lot about uh, in our culture, not just you and I, about gaslighting. It's been a real. It's, it's been a very popular term over the last three years, popular, you know, frame for things. I don't know if we talk enough about self-gaslighting. <laughs> right. You know? And I think that's what a whole bunch of people have to do to sort of square that circle that you're talking about, to address that cognitive dissonance to figure out a way around it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And here's the thing. Uh, we have to step into the cognitive dissonance as people, as individuals, if we want to be, if we want to, to find like balance and contentment in our personal lives. Yeah. And as a nation, we have to step into that cognitive dissonance in, if we're going to move forward at all. And I think this segues into the next sort of like bullet point that we established to talk about this today, this idea of, of people calling for unity right now, mm. you know? Um, and, and, I, and you're hearing the calls from unity, for unity. Uh, Exclusively largely, from the right. <laughs> yeah. Um, funny. You'd like for us to just unite together yeah. rather than well, you know, hold though, accountable. <laughs> also, it's not just from the right. I, I said that, but it's not true because honestly, there's people like Joe Biden being like, what we need to do now as a nation is come together. And like, I understand the impulse to want to unify and it's a healthy one and a good one, but it can't happen without a full accounting and not just an accounting, but a holding responsible with consequences mm-hmm for the people who made this happen. Absolutely. So, you know, in, in terms of the cognitive dissonance thing, there, there, here's two, two, two truths to hold at the same time <laughs> that we have, to, we have to like really find how to do that. In one sense, um, we are united. Like we are one nation. Our fates are tied to each other. <laughs> like in that sense, we are, we are one, <laughs> whether we like it or not, mm-hmm. Right. But the fact of the matter is that we also have a, a faction of people who are willing to commit violent insurrection. To overthrow democracy. <laughs> to overthrow democracy. <laughs> to get what they want. Exactly. When they can't get it in a free and fair election. Both of those things are true. They are part of us. This whole idea of us, this isn't who America is. Newsflash, this is who America is. And has always been. These people who, who tromped through the, the Capitol with Confederate flags last week are who America is. It is part, that is part of America. Yeah. I, you know, if you haven't read it yet, I posted this on my Facebook uh, late last night. Um, so you can go there to look for it. But Ibram Kendi wrote a fantastic piece for The Atlantic that came out yesterday. Um, talking, he, in his book about anti-racism, he talks about how denial is the heartbeat of racism. Yeah. That denying that racism exists or denying that we are racist is the thing that keeps racism alive. Yeah. And he took that, and I've been thinking a lot about that this last week with relation, in relation to this, the, the insurrection. The, the denial that this is who America is, is the heartbeat of keeping this bullshit alive sure. in America. In the same way that denial about alcoholism is what allows you to keep drinking. <laughs> exactly. So you, can, we, you can't fix something until you've diagnosed it. We have to step into that cognitive dissonance. We have to understand that, yes, we wish that America was different than yeah. this, but we have to acknowledge at the same time that this is very much part of what America is and always has been. And if we aren't able to admit that and recognize that, there is no path forward for us. We will continue to repeat this cycle until we die <laughs> or until democracy dies. I mean, and, and what, what was that thing you, you quoted to me this morning? Uh, I think you saw it on Twitter, like uh, a failed coup 
is another word for a practice run for the next coup. Yeah, I saw that yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know? a, f- a failed a failed coup is a dry run. Yeah. No, it was it was it was there was more nuance. It was a failed coup uh, without accountability. Ah. Or without consequences. Ah. A failed coup without consequences is a dry run. There you go. That's it. This will happen to us again. Yeah. It will be worse next time. It will probably succeed if we don't address the fact, if we don't look ourselves square in the face. Look at Russia 20 years ago. God, yes. There was, right? There was a failed coup, what, 22, 23 years ago, whenever it was? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it didn't work, but it paved the way for a few years later. Vladimir yeah. Putin, yeah. who is now an authoritarian ruler. Yep. Like, that's the progression. That's how that goes. It, it can happen here. It, it's happening here. <laughs> we, but we have a choice. But we have a choice about how to go forward. And the, the only door, the only door available to us that actually gets us to healing and eventual unity of spirit is through accountability. Yeah. That is the only door. Every- and it'll be ugly and it'll be painful. And that's how that works. <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Ibram Kendi in his article, and I know I talk about him a lot, but he's sort of a hero mm-hmm. <laughs> of mine. At the end, he, he's, he's a colon cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the same kind of cancer that uh, took Chadwick Boseman's life. Um, the, the black plant, the black panther. I sort of started, stuttered, sorry. Um, Were you trying to do an accent? I, no, but I stutter sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, they, they, they had the same kind of cancer. Ibram Kendi... Uh, has has is in remission. He's he's essentially beat his cancer now. Yeah, Chadwick Boseman lost his life, um, but he 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 talks in his book about anti racism about his his um, his uh, recovery from cancer and his treatment for mm-hmm. it. And like, if you don't name a cancer, you don't ever have the chance to heal the cancer, right? Like, or to to, to treat it. If you don't name it and acknowledge it and go through the painful process of treatment for it, you of will never- eradicating it? Yeah. yeah. And it is painful that, that healing doesn't come without pain. Yeah. Um, and, and it's gonna be painful for us, right? But if we want, if we say we want unity of spirit, <laughs> we are united in body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if we say we want unity of spirit, it requires healing, which requires- Accountability, and that is the only path to that. You know, these calls from from you know Republicans and from some Democrats who just would rather not deal with the the surgery required yeah. <laughs> to treat this cancer right now. The calls for unity to the you know you know to we shouldn't impeach Trump because. I mean, there's no Democrat. There's no Democrats saying that, but Republicans who are saying, "Yeah, we shouldn't impeach Trump because it would be divisive." No, no, no. The division's here. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, that's already here. Uh, honestly, the, the calls for not impeaching to to in order to unite is an abuse tactic. Yep. It is, you know, after uh, you know someone in the house beats up their their partner, uh, saying to them, "No, no, no." Don't call it. You can't call the police. You'll tear the family apart. Yeah. No, no, no. That's already happened. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can't move out. What would the neighbors think? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like th- th- it's an abuse tactic. And I think that we've talked about this on this podcast over the last year. I- I- I've come to an understanding that I really feel like in a lot of ways, the Republican Party has become as an entity an abuser. Yeah, for of sure. us as Americans. Yeah. And we need to recognize the ways in which they have gaslit us over and over and over again, fed us lies, made us doubt ourselves, um, you know, and, and 
have pulled these tactics to try to, uh, they're, 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 the reason for doing that is because they know that they're the minority. They know that the only way for them to maintain power as minority rule is to pull these tactics. Yeah. And we can stop it. We can stop the cycle of abuse. And I would like for us to start considering as a, as a people, the ways in which, like let's, let's look at examples of how people stop the cycle of abuse in their own like personal lives. Mm-hmm. And let's apply that writ large to our relationship with the Republican Party. Yeah. Let's employ those tactics, you know? Um, I'm not exactly sure what they all are, but I can recognize what I, abuse when I see it. And what they're doing in this call for unity right now uh, is, is a disingenuous, hollow, reeking with privilege yeah. <laughs> uh, attempt to make us feel bad. Like, oh wait, we don't want to be the ones. They're, they're preying on our desire, our lovely desire to be civil people and do the right thing and yeah. welcome folks in. You're like they're, perverting that, weaponizing it and turning it back against they're us. They're preying, yes, they're preying on those good qualities. Yeah, We don't have to let them do that. No. And here's the thing. And account- it requires us being uncomfortable though, people. And that's the thing. Like, mm. Like, because it, it is much easier to be accommodationist in nature, right? right? Just to say, yeah, let's just all get along. You're right. Let's try. To, let's do unity. Yeah. Like that's the that's the easy thing that doesn't require any personal discomfort. Right. The much harder thing to do is to say, no, fuck you. We're <laughs> holding you accountable. Right. And we're going to do every single thing it takes, and it's going to be, and you're going to resist it, and it's going to be painful. It's going to be ugly. Right. And like. Yeah, that's how accountability works. Right. It's not typically a pleasant or fun process. Right. So, like, I, just get your act together, people. Like, can I just mention that the, the the people who are who have the ability to just be like, oh yeah, let's all get along, only have the ability to do that because they live in a in a position of privilege. Yeah, totally. There are plenty of people in this population who aren't white, who aren't wealthy, who aren't men, <laughs> who you know, who literally their lives their lives depend on them not just going along. Like, like you, you, you can't just be like, oh, let's just all get along because their, their lives are in danger right. in ways that people who are wealthy, white, and male don't experience, right? right? So let's acknowledge that, first of all. Also, I think it's important to, to um, on, the, on the note of like, yes, we're going to hold these folks accountable. Accountability doesn't mean like, like we're going to kill you. <laughs> or, or you'll be banished forever, or your lives will be, you know, crushed to dust forever and ever. It's for people who are like lawmakers; they shouldn't be able to serve in Congress anymore. True, but it doesn't mean that they yeah, can't if they go. Participated in this or incited it? Yeah, they should no longer be given the privilege of serving in Congress. Like serving in Congress is not a right. And no, it's abs- a privilege. It is, and so you know what? Maybe you should go do something else for a while. Yeah, like for the rest of your life. Why don't you go? I don't know. Work at a store. Be a farmer. <laughs> Or, I mean, like someone like Josh Hawley or Ted Cruz will never have to work in a store or be a farmer. They will never have to do any They've kind of manual labor. Plenty of money. They have law degrees from Harvard. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll just go start a private practice sure. somewhere. They'll consult. They'll still be in Washington. They'll just be lobbyists or some other kind of scum. Right. So accountability doesn't... And I think that some people, you know, obviously lots of folks who who committed the most egregious uh, incitement of, the, of sedition and insurrection need to go to jail. <laughs> yes. You know, there, there is that too. But even- We just want you know, like, we want the same thing that Republicans always say they want. We just want law and order. Right. We want the rule of law. Right. That's it. And also- That's a Republican value. Right. Who's, it, who's, who's against that? Right. And, you know, I, my, my views on, on the criminal justice system is that we need major reform in it and that, like, it, it ought not be serving as it does now as a punitive system. Like, I really would like to see our criminal justice system be a restorative model. Rehabilitative. You know? um, 
And, and, not, and, I, and I feel the same way about people who I think should go to jail for yes. the, the acts of last week. I don't want them to be ostracized. I want them to change. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So like, don't, don't, don't hear the word accountability and think quashed forever. No. You know, thumb down. Pff, when I think yeah. of accountability, I think of it in the same way that the, the journey I had with sobriety. Yeah. I was acting in very harmful antisocial ways that caused a lot of wreckage to almost everybody within my orbit to some degree. Yeah. You know? And my path out of that was I had to stop doing the behavior. Yeah. I had to commit to never doing the behavior again. Right. I had to do work that continues to this day to ensure that I never continue that behavior, yeah. right? Or, do, or slide back into it. Yeah. And then also I had to acknowledge what I had done, take it on board in a humble way. Yeah. And, and take account, take personal responsibility for it. Yeah. Do what I needed to do to as much as I could fix the wreckage I had caused. Mm -hmm. And then once all of my accounts were settled, mm -hmm. once every line in my ledger was balanced, then move forward in a way in which I never caused damage like that again. Yeah. Right? That's, that's all that I want for all of these people to do too. And I'm not just talking about the senators and the Congress people who are responsible, yeah. the, the media people who are responsible. I'm also talking about the citizenry. Voters. I'm also talking about the people like the, the people you and I love and are related to. Yeah. I also want them to do that work. They are acting, all of them, as though they are addicts. Yeah, absolutely. And they need to get sober. They do. It's not my job to diagnose somebody else's illness. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I can't want something for somebody else. Right. You can observe it from a distance. It's very clear. Yeah. You can diagnose someone else's illness, right? You can be like, they're clearly not well. They're clearly acting in an unhealthy way. You can't impart that understanding to them. Nope. <laughs> no, you can't. And I can tell you this from personal experience. There were many people who told me repeatedly, like, that they were very worried for me, that they thought that I was in grave trouble. Absolutely. But the things, the things that motivated you to actually develop that understanding for yourself were consequences for your behavior. Yes. That's right. <laughs> like losing, losing your housing. And my job. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like there Having was... no money, needing to beg for money, sleeping in a warehouse or in my car. Yeah. Actual Off consequences. Consequences for behavior can drive an understanding of one's depraved condition. Yeah. What doesn't, <laughs> what doesn't, make change uh, is when you're given a free pass. Yeah. Like imagine like if just my bosses at the, I had a corporate job at a bank, which is just like, it's, it's just like a weird subsidy for like, like white people with college degrees. Yeah. Like, like it was hard not to work at Wells Fargo in San Francisco <laughs> in the nineties. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they were great jobs. Like you didn't have to work real hard. It was technically eight hours a day, but you could skate on six and a half just being in the building. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, you could easily screw off for half that time. But as long as you were smart and said smart things and on a conference call or in a meeting, you were a valued member of the team and you would get raises and make, you know, good five figure, <sighs> high five figure salaries, you know? Uh, and, you know, imagine like if I had just been able to keep that job indefinitely, coming to work later and later, drunker and drunker. No consequences. No consequences. Yeah. You know? It, yeah. You would, I would probably still be acting in that way. Or dead. Or dead. Yeah. 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 So thank you for that perspective. And <laughs> I want that for our, I want that for the Republican Party and all its lawmakers and the members and the voters and everything too. Yeah, the Republican Party needs to sober up. But we need, we need to, as a, as a people, to usher in accountability and consequences for seditionist, insurrectionist behavior in yeah. order to make that even possible, you know? Um, 
You know, it's always important to me, especially on this podcast that we put out publicly into the world to, in any of the conversations that we have to, to about external events like this, well, what can we do about it? Yeah. You know, like it's important to me to address the, you know, the, the bucket of, you know, there's so much that's in the bucket of things not in my control yeah. <laughs> in this situation. But there are some things in the bucket of things I do have the power to change. Yeah, that's and right. So I thought it would be good to just end this discussion on a couple of those. Um, the first thing is that have your congressperson, Congress people, your two senators and your uh, House of Representatives rep, get them on speed dial in your phone if you don't have them already. Yeah. Look up their numbers, put them in your contacts list yeah. and get in the habit of calling them regularly. Like literally put them in your favorites. I do. Like my favorites right now. It's like <laughs> Shannon, uh, my, my family, and uh, my elected representatives, state and uh, local. Awesome. That's it. That's so good. And right now, you know, the things to be calling about are to call, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday evening, uh, Wednesday sometime, uh, the House of Representatives is going to vote probably on the article of impeachment that has been introduced into the House. So, you know, whether your, your, your House rep has come out in support of that impeachment or not, you should still call them. Yeah, uh, it's important. Even if even if you've got a rep that really like ag- you agree with the stuff they do and you're like supportive, it's still important for them. I've learned to get calls from people because the the logs of support they get on issues gives them more power as they talk with and negotiate with their colleagues in the yeah. house. If so, they can say, "I've received three million calls about this in the last twenty four hours," yeah, that's clearly a hot button important issue. Exactly. Whereas if they've received ten thousand calls. That's not that important. Right. They probably got get that many calls about potholes. Right, right. So even if your senators and your house reps uh, agree with you, still call them. Yeah. But, you know, if they don't, if they haven't come, yet, come out yet in support of impeachment, make sure you let them know that you want them to. And don't take for granted that they will not be on your side. We've, some, we've seen some shocking people in the, just the last 24 hours come out in favor of impeachment. Mitch McConnell. Well, Liz Cheney. In behind behind closed doors, Mitch McConnell has. Sure. Liz Cheney is publicly, um, yeah, and a couple other Republican House yeah. members have come out in support of impeachment. So, yeah, don't take for granted that they are just going to stonewall your your request. You know, yeah. it's important for them to hear from you. So call, um, it, it call your senators and let them know that you would like to see when those articles of impeachment get passed to the Senate for a trial. You want to see Trump convicted, even if that trial doesn't happen until after the inauguration of Joe Biden and yeah. Kamala. Harris, it's the trial can still happen. He can still be convicted, and there are lots of great reasons to convict him, even after. Let's he's, list all the things he loses oh, if he's great. convicted, even after he leaves office of impeachment. He can never run for public office again. Woohoo! How great would that be? Which means he can't be raising money for an eventual 2024 campaign. No, because he can't have one. That's right. <laughs> um, he loses lifetime Secret Service detail. Good. He Hire won't. your own bodyguards, asshole. <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm, I'm forgetting some of the other details. He, he, he loses his lifetime presidential pension. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't get money from taxpayers for the rest of his life. Yeah. Forget that. Screw you, man. Yeah. There's there's lots of, not to mention just the historical record of him being a uh, twice impeached, once convicted president. Yeah. Uh, that's accountability. That's accountability. And that would demonstrate in such a clear way what American values are when they're properly mm-hmm. applied. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That it would say that we as a country 
have said enough is enough, that there actually is a line. There, what <laughs> we have not managed to do yet as a country is to say that there definitively is a line with this guy. Right. And with all of the sorts of actions and worldviews that he represents. Yeah. We have not yet come out and said that this stuff is too far. If we, we, need, we need to do that. If we don't draw the line, it will give a bright flashing red signal to anyone else who wants to be the next Donald Trump. More like flashing green. Flashing green signal, because it's a go. Yeah. Exactly. But it'll be a flashing green light to anyone else who wants to be the next Donald Trump to just go ahead and replicate his abhorrent <laughs> ways and, 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 and likely they'll succeed. They'll, how could you be dumber than Donald Trump? Like, yeah. <laughs> the next person's going to be smarter. Yeah. And, you know. Well, you know, it's not that Trump is dumb. It's that, know, he, it's that he's blinded by ego. Oh my gosh, yeah, I know. You I know? know, I know. He's very, very smart. <laughs> I get it. No, I you know, know what I mean. Like the, the the next person will be more effective. I think is the word you're looking okay, for. Okay, great. That's a good point. But yeah, now's the time to draw the line. We do have the power as voters, as people with representatives in Congress, to call call them, make a point of calling them. Get yourself on. I'm on uh, uh, the email list for the Indivisibles mm -hmm. group that started in 2017 uh, after Trump, right after Trump took office. The hashtag resistance. Well, no, it's not even that. The Indivisible groups were really like locally organized groups to engage. In, in citizens yeah. in democracy. We and, were involved in ours in South Pasadena before we moved up here. But I'm still on their their, their mailing list. Um, Me too. And there's a group here in Tacoma too that we've never actually been to in person. But uh, but they send out emails uh, on a weekly basis with action items. Like, here's the things that you can call your congresspeople about this week. It's really it's helpful. It's very helpful. Yeah. It's a, it serves as a reminder to do it. It helps educate you on the issues so you, do, you feel like you're not calling with just no idea of what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, they give you a script even to use. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for a way to help you help yourself do this more effectively um, to give yourself a little more courage sign up with Indivisible uh, to get their newsletters because they're, they've been, they're really helpful for me yeah. um, the next thing that we can do that we made a on our list um, is that we can really work to drive the narrative in our own communities yeah. around all this stuff you know um, I understand that for some people in some you know given their life circumstance it might not be possible to engage in conversation with folks about this. I get, yeah. I get that there are situations and times in all of our lives where it's just it, too much. Yep. I get it. Uh, but where you can and when you can, get involved in, in, in sharing your point of view on yeah. this. You know, and It could be one-to-one. -one. Mm -hmm. It could be in uh, your social media feeds. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you have a point of view about where the right and the wrong in this situation lies and who's responsible, yeah. put it out there. Say it. And you you can say it. I mean, I I understand that I've I've raised my voice a bunch during this podcast today, but like these things can be talked about in calm, yeah. <laughs> compassionate terms. You know, like you the, can speak kindly about this stuff. The, the benefit of being on on the right side, yeah, is the correct you, side. The correct side, yeah, is that you don't. The right currently is wrong. <laughs> Good point. But yeah, the benefit of being on the correct side of all this is that uh, we don't have to yell to make our, our point of view yeah. uh, meaningful. Yeah. It is because it is just based in reality, truth, and what is right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a sub point here is uh, I think it's really, really helpful and very important in this time to use precise yeah. language. Yes. Right? Uh, and I think specifically, and this is one of the harder ones, but also probably one of the more important ones, it's not an isolated group of people who's at fault here, who's responsible for this. It's not Trump Republicans. It's not Trump supporters. It's Republicans. Remember the pyramid? The pyramid of treason? <laughs> well, no, what was it called? The Maslow's hierarchy of treason. 
<laughs> the pyramid that we talked about earlier. Yeah, it is, you're right. It is important to name that because <laughs> when we don't name the folks involved that are responsible, we give we give a pass to folks with that who bear that label. You know, Republicans need to clean up their house. Like yeah. even even the even the the Republicans who you know, I'm thinking of like Mitt Romney, for instance, yeah. who has come out. He voted to he voted to convict Trump in the last impeachment. Yeah, he was the only Republican senator to do that. He spoke powerfully from the floor uh, right around the same time that Josh Hawley did. Uh, he has he's a moderate who has been a voice of reason, and we both respect that. Absolutely. And we need more of that. And also at the same time, Mitt Romney has, uh, even though he has said more than other Republicans to try to hold Trump and his people accountable, um, he still has enabled a lot of the behavior of the Republican Party that's gotten it to this point. Yeah. So even even the guy who's like the model right now because he's the, like the only one speaking out has some stuff that that he could be he could have done better over the last many years um, and and could be doing better now like the Republicans need to clean up their house and it is it is okay to name them as a whole as being responsible for this um, they've got work to do <laughs> yeah. even even the ones who who have spoken out about how awful they think this this uh, the events of last week have been. And you know, I, th- I sense a desire to compartmentalize, right? Uh-huh. On their behalf, to like limit the damage. Like it's not the whole Republican party. Like if you're Mitt Romney, it's like the problem is Trump and Trumpism and individuals like Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz. But generally speaking, we're still doing great. But like, man, your fucking niece is the chairperson of the RNC who like the day after insurrection day had a conference call with the president in which they applauded and praised him for his speech the day before that incited everybody to go do the sedition and treason. So like you can't compartmentalize this stuff. The rot is pervasive throughout the entire party. And that also includes lay people at the citizen level. Like the people who live on our block, the people who live on your block, listener, who are just Republicans. Maybe they've been lifelong Republicans. Unfortunately, they have now found themselves in an untenable mm-hmm. position as the member of the party that is responsible for this. For sedition. And it, and it can't be segmented out. No. You can't just carve out the bad people. No, you need to deal with your bad people. Yeah. <laughs> it's your responsibility if you're part of that group. Yeah. Yes. Like when you're dealing with a cancer, a severe cancer, you, you got to chemo the whole body. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't know the medicine around that. Maybe the, Yeah, I guess chemo does go into because it goes in your bloodstream. It right. goes everywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Sorry, people. Uh, the last, the last thing that I uh, the self care part. It's it's self care and it's also tactical in a way. Yeah, and prag- I think pragmatism, that yeah, yeah, I think that it's up to each of us to decide how best to use our energy and our time. Um, in in how we engage with other people in conversation about this, yep. you know, like I know within a within a a word or two on social media, if somebody who is talking with me on a subject related to all this, if they're coming in good faith or not. Oh, for you sure. Know? And and I think that for me personally, I have come to a, the place where if I can recognize right off the bat that somebody is not coming in good faith, or they're or they're straight up spouting lies, yeah, delete block, move on. Like, yeah. I don't think that I can, no matter how profoundly I speak to them on the issue, they're unwilling to come around and it is a waste of my time and energy yeah. to engage with them. 
Um, I do see sometimes the value in debating publicly because other folks looking on can see, you know, the arguments and and can you can you can help influence other people that way that are like looky loos. Yep. However, I, I've personally come to the place where I don't, I don't give those, I don't give lies and disinformation any oxygen. No. And so, you know. And you shouldn't debate them as though they are valid viewpoints. Right. Because that legitimizes them. Right. So, you know, just determine what your boundaries are, you know, determine what, where your energy and time is best spent. And sometimes that's going to mean letting someone know that, they're, that you're unwilling to engage with a conversation that's not based in good faith. Thank you and goodbye. Yeah, you know that's okay. Um, we we've got to uh, use our energy where it's going to be effective. And getting in, getting mired in circular, unproductive conversations with people who have zero desire to engage in good faith or in or to engage on on like fact based reality, yeah, isn't going to go anywhere. No, like you could be you could be doing something. To benefit yourself, you could be, you know, I don't know. You could make, be eating an apple. Making tea. Having a nice nap. <laughs> or engaging with someone else, you know, that in which a conversation would be productive. Like, there, you can choose that. That is yeah. okay. Um, so, that's it. Yeah. That's it from me. Me too. <laughs> Hell of a week, though, man. And, you know, Good people, uh, don't let your guard down. This next week will not be better, probably. Uh, you know, we had... Plenty of advance notice before Insurrection Day, yet it happened. Uh, we now have plenty of advance notice that uh, right-wingers, some of them violent extremist types, are planning actions at all 50 state capitals and the U.S. capital uh, for... Inauguration and the days surrounding or leading The days before, it. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I imagine that'll be bad. So just, like, prepare yourself mentally for that, you know? I don't mean to sound, like, doomful about it. That's not the point. The point is that, like... You know, don't let it catch you by surprise. Steal yourself a little bit. Like, I think that it would be good to be a little bit steeled in advance of this week. Yeah. You know, put on your put on your spiritual armor a little bit. Like, I think you're going to need it. Yeah, that's a good that's good advice. I can't believe that that's what we're talking about. An inauguration of a new president. The inauguration of our our first um, black and uh, South Asian vice president should be an absolute celebration. Yeah. It, it should be unmarred. It should be just, you know, it ought to be. Uh, just a pure celebration of that um, achievement. Uh, I'm sad that it is colored by um, the rest of all this, but also, you know, um, I'm grateful that I I, I do believe that we have a couple of leaders ascending to the White House who I think do have the compassion in their hearts required to lead us through this time. Yes. Um, And I'm grateful for that, you know, and it'll be up to us to, to stay on their heels to motivate them toward, uh, toward you know, holding accountable those who need to be held accountable in this time and to making policy uh, uh, priorities that actually deliver swift and meaningful help to the American people and, and to our democracy, the, the reform that our democracy needs. You know, it, it, we, we've got work to do to push them, but I do, I do feel grateful that I think we do have people who genuinely do have good hearts. Yeah, I think so too. Character, turns out, matters. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Despite what our parents have been telling us. <laughs> 
All right, people. Hey, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Misfit Stars podcast. Uh, we're very grateful for you being here. Yeah. If you are a uh, recurring listener, indeed, if you're already a member of the Misfit Stars supportive community, thank you so much. So much. We literally could not do this without you. If you are a new listener or a longtime listener who is not yet a member of our support community, please consider becoming one. We could really use your support, to be frank. Uh, you know, this is small dollar stuff. It's five bucks a month. You can do more, obviously, if you're doing well and you would like to. Please, uh, that's helpful. But the bottom line is that for, you know, five bucks a month, just sort of automatically deducted from your PayPal or your card or whatever it might be, uh, you know, you can support in an ongoing way the work that Shannon and I are doing. It's this podcast. It's the music that we make. It's the mentorship that each of us does of other younger artists. Uh, it's, it's the community the, building we yeah. do. You know, it's all of it. Uh, so, you know, we feel that this is good work in the world that could use supporting. If you feel that way too, please do throw your lot in with ours. It matters. Misfitstars.com slash join. Uh, mostly for this next week, just take care of yourselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we keep thinking, I think all of us, right, that like, okay, we can finally exhale, you know. I really felt that way going to bed after the Georgia runoffs. Like, <laughs> hey, okay, we got this thing wrapped up with a bow, everything worked out. Surprisingly, against all odds, it's cool. Let's really let's let our hair down, just chill. We can't chill yet. And, you know, <laughs> that's a shame. But, you know, we're going to get through this. It's going to yeah. be okay. We're just not quite there yet. So, you know, be vigilant. Uh, you know, stay away from crowded places. <laughs> uh, good idea in a pandemic. Also great idea when violent extremists are planning insurrections, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, that's it. Just stay home. Stay safe. Take care of each other. Uh, be kind on social media, but also be strong. Uh, advocate for the points of view you believe in. It matters now. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it always matters, but it matters especially now. Yeah. Um, I know that's it for me, I guess. You? That's great. Thank you for wrapping it up. Yep. Y'all take care of yourselves. We'll see you next week. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.